I'm Lake Miller. And I'm Hannah Brown. Welcome to Gem City Diversity, a podcast where we talk about diversity and inclusion in the Dayton area. We're from the National Conference for Community and Justice of Greater Dayton, or NCCJ. NCCJ works in the Miami Valley to increase understanding around the topics of diversity and inclusion. In this episode, Lake sat down with Reverend Dr. Benjamin Spear Hardy to discuss his role in the West Dayton Caravan of Churches. During the episode, they discuss community organizing, COVID, the work of the West Dayton Caravan of Churches, and more. So I wanted to start today and see if you might be able to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are. All right, I'm the, uh, the Reverend Dr. and I'm an Episcopal priest, but the Reverend Dr. Benjamin Spearhardy. I'm the rector of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church and the president of the West Dayton Caravan of Churches, some 27 congregations, uh, ecumenical. Um, this is my 21st year at St. Margaret's. <laughs> I was about this high when I got here. <laughs> and uh, um, and I came in, uh, in 2000 um, and um, purchased the land we have now in 2001 and started construction in 2002 uh, and moved here in 2003 of October. And so we have six to 1.7 acres of land. We run a farm, a uh, 28-acre farm with soybeans and corn. We root to the crops. And um, <clears throat> we, we run uh, summer programs for um, grades four through eight. And, and now we have the pre-K through third. Um, we do arts and stamp and um, um, reading and math and uh, social and emotional skills. So every summer we run those programs. Uh, during COVID, we did that virtually. Uh, we had, even though the numbers were smaller, uh, we usually run about 180 more children <clears throat> at three sites. Uh, but we had to cut back and streamline because of COVID and, um, and but still running those programs to meet the needs of others. Uh, we were the, um, during a tornado, uh, you remember that, um, we became the epic center um, for relief, right? People came here to get uh, supplies and, and we uh, provided meals for families. We took vans into areas that uh, we couldn't reach and handed food to people. <clears throat> and people came through here. We had the, uh, the state, and the city, um, the county, and everyone came here for uh, for, to strategize and to and to meet the needs of our community, um, so the church became open. We were not hit. Uh, we only lost one tree during the storm. So, uh, as God we have it, we became the epic center to make sure there was relief coming out of this this church uh, for the community. Can, uh, and, and can I ask? So, you know, after the tornadoes happened, I think this is this is a great example. After the tornadoes happened, kind of what what happened in in your mind and. Um, as you know, the, the West Dayton Caravan of Churches, like what was that that thought process or conversation? How did that go to get from you know this happened in our community? How can we be a community asset? Yeah, I called it. I call the meeting of the pastors uh, right after the tornado, and uh, it was scheduled for that Thursday, I believe. Um, and the word got out, and so the mayor of Trotwood asked if she could come and so forth. And that's where we started. And so we began to plan from here. And then it just <laughs> it just spread out. And we had uh, people bringing relief from as far as Cleveland 
uh, to bring water supply. We work with uh, Kettering Health uh, Network and Premier brought stuff as well. And uh, people just brought in supplies. Uh, the Episcopal Diocese of Southern Ohio, which we are part, uh, sent funds to make sure we were able to get stuff to assist uh, with the needs of people. And, and a lot of the caravan pastors um, brought their vans uh, so we could load up and uh, um, and thanks to Pastor Bilal Moman and Pastor Carlton Williams, who were by my side, driving vans back and forth to make sure, I mean, going out, just coming, and uh, <clears throat> we provide over six to 500 hot meals uh, to people, and um, Kettering Health Network provided, we have the cook at, the, at Kettering, and they will bring it over here, and, and uh, working with Peter Bath at the time, who was there, um, and they brought chaplains along, so when we got in the van to go out to visit, uh, to take relief to people, we could pray with them as well. We had a lot of chaplains with us. Um, and we continued that for a long time. People came, <clears throat> I mean, the church became a store, and people could come in, and, and mothers could get baby diapers. We had our members were able to organize um, the entire parish hall. And uh, so people could easily come in and get what they wanted in terms of relief, getting water and supplies and so forth. Um, and later on, we got cleaning supplies that came in that people could get uh, as well. And in the past, you know, we still help uh, people came for su support all the way after the uh, tornado, even though <clears throat> in some of the places when you travel, you feel it just happened. Um, some homes have been rebuilt and others are still torn up and you see the devastation still. Um, and then came the pandemic. <laughs> After all of that, we have the mass shooting and then we have the pandemic. Um, and all of a sudden we became uh, the clinic because we I started advocating to make sure we had vaccines uh, for those in, in West Dayton, especially the African-American community. And, uh, and out of that, we began to brainstorm and to say, well, what is a good site? And public health said, we need a good site to start to make sure, because they were going to put aside 20% 20, 20 of their vaccine to make sure African-American population had vaccine. And St. Marcus became the first um, site. And we had uh, 11 weeks of vaccine from, uh, from 80 plus to 70 plus and then all the way to 65 plus all came here for two shots for the vaccine. Um, we opened up the church for that and began to help. And I began to make calls and information every week. I would sit at a computer and register people to get vaccine. You know, we were on there daily getting people shots. And um, Kettering was posted at, uh, at Grace uh, United Methodist. And we had public health, Montgomery County was here. Um, and it was people had and quite an experience coming here and going through because of the professionalism of public health Montgomery County and how they treated people. And it was easy access because at St. Margaret's, um, we don't have it in steps at all. So it's, you can come in, roll from the wheelchair from the parking lot into the building. And uh, we have people to assist with wheelchairs for those who needed help. Came in, got the shots, went into the sanctuary, waited for their 15 or 30 minutes, and then you know, sent them back out. And uh, I got here at 6 a.m. every morning to make sure I open up to get the nurses in for them to set up once I set up the clinic and start rolling. And so, so I did that for 11 weeks, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
And, and what really stands out to me, you know, particularly at the juncture that we are at right now with the pandemic, and we're recording this at the end of August, um, is, a, is a large lim- limitation to the vaccine is misinformation spread. Yes. And what really stands out to me is, you know, you're talking about not only were we advertising, hey, come and get these vaccines, but that you were actually making phone calls to people, right? And I have to imagine, you know, were were you running into some of those conversations where you were needing to talk about, you know, here are the, here are the facts. This is a safe, effective vaccine. Yeah, yeah. We're blessed to have our members. And also I was sending information to the caravan churches to make sure they got their members sign up to come here for vaccine. Uh, So everyone was on board working. We had our staff here calling people, registering them for vaccine. I was doing registrations myself uh, to make sure that they um, they got here to get the vaccine. Um, And we have, uh, and after here, you know, as the, you know, we started with 200 shots and it began to increase, you know, until they got to the point where they couldn't, they couldn't house the clinic here anymore. They needed a larger space. So they moved the Bethesda Temple and then later on they moved to the, uh, to the old, Kroger of the Sugar Creek uh, uh, facility <clears throat> so they could serve a, a larger population. Uh, but we still, you know, advocated and then fought for vaccine when we had access to vaccine. And I'm very frustrated and disappointed uh, because the older folks came and got their shots. And when they dropped the age, you know, the, the, the advocacy for vaccine dropped as well. People refused to take the shots. And so we did, you know, working with public health, trying to get, I was on with uh, Dr. Patterson and uh, uh, Dr. Johnson. We got on, we got on the, on, on the on live stream and tried to encourage and ask, and people could call in and ask questions. We had physicians on to tell them, you know, they need to get, to, encouraging them to get the vaccine. So we got on the air <laughs> and tried to encourage folks to get the vaccine. Uh, I'm just disappointed that we only have uh, 49% of uh, Montgomery County now at least have received the first shot uh, and 50 in the whole state. I mean, it doesn't make sense at all, but we're still going to continue to fight and encourage people to get the vaccine. So, And, and I think it's really impactful to me um, hearing from an outside perspective how your role as a religious leader has shifted so much to meet the needs of not only the community within your congregation, but really the larger the larger community of West Dayton and beyond West Dayton as well, and saying, you know, we talk through what does the community need after a mass shooting? What does the community need after a tornado? And now what can we do to come together to emerge safely out of the other side of, you know, of a global pandemic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Join us on September 28th for food trucks, live entertainment, and a celebration of our local humanitarians. Learn more and register for free at www.nccjgreaterdayton.org dinner. So, you know, you've talked a, a lot about some work that the West Dayton Caravan of Churches has been doing, um, but for our listeners who maybe this is the first time that they've ever heard of the West Dayton Caravan of Churches, can can you talk a little bit about what this is and, and where the West Dayton Caravan of Churches originated from? It, it started with four churches long before my time, because <laughs> I came in 2000. It was already in existence in the 90s, uh, late 90s. 
uh, with four churches. Um, and um, I became president um, after uh, Reverend Dr. Earl Harris, who was the pastor of Greta Allen AME Church, was the convener <clears throat> at the time. And, uh, and we began to grow. Uh, ours responsible, we have a foundation, a scholarship foundation that was housed here at St. Margaret's. And I was responsible to be the liaison to make sure kids got scholarships every, every, every year. And so what we would do is a caravan because during Holy Week, the churches, we move from church to church. We have a different preacher, different choirs, and just have different programs and, uh, and offices. So we move and, and we worship in the space of that, of that, of that congregation. So whether they're Baptist or Methodist or Catholic, you know, we're in your space. Uh, and so we move uh, during Holy Week from, from Palm Sunday to Monday, Thursday. And most of the Monday, Thursday services were held here. It's in August that we did the Fort Washington over here. So they, they came into the Episcopal tradition. And, uh, um, and, and then when I became president, uh, I decided to incorporate the churches. So we are now the nonprofit. Uh, and about, I think 2015, we became a 501c3. Uh, so it's a white state and caravan of churches incorporated. Uh, we've added several congregations since. We're now uh, uh, 27 congregations strong <clears throat> and good ecumenical group. Uh, we, we used to meet <laughs> pre-pandemic uh, every second Monday for breakfast. You know, we move around in different churches for breakfast and have our meeting. But since the pandemic we had, we started every Friday. Um, this will check in and make sure, you know, what was going on in all the churches and uh, whether there was any need. Uh, and now we've gone to every second Friday. Um, and um, so hopefully when we get out of this, we'll go back to our breakfast meeting. Um, but not only do we provide um, scholarship for students, um, um, you know, we collaborate uh, together and, and uh, work in providing edu and, you know, educational programs as well. And, and all of the churches are doing something different. So we support each congregation in, in, in their outreach and what they're doing for the community. So I, I often say that we are one church and 27 mission stations. <laughs> so whatever you're doing, you know, we're there to support you and support each other and to be very active in the community. And, and part of what we do is also to fight for, for justice. Uh, so justice is is very is key to us and, and it's part of our bylaws. Whenever there is injustice, we have to stand up and fight for it. So, and, and what does that look like as the as the Dayton Caravan of Churches coming in and fighting for justice? Well, we we were the ones we uh, you know during the closure of the hospital, we fought against that and uh, and still you know still protesting, still fighting against it because uh, we felt that uh, we had a community that was being marginalized. Uh, by the closure of Good Samaritan Hospital. And um, we didn't have the support we really needed from other churches and other congregations uh, because they felt it was a mute point and you know, the premier was gonna do what they wanted to do. Uh, but we felt strongly that we had to continue to fight and uh, uh, especially for those, because we have a high rate of infant mortality, we've got a lot of elderly and so forth. Most of the people could walk to the hospital. People were born in that hospital. Um, but we, we lost all of that. And, uh, but the fight continues and, uh, and uh, we have to fight for access and for equity um, for, for our people. Uh, we just signed a partnership with uh, First Financial Bank. We've signed an MOU with First Financial Bank to make sure we can have 
available funding to help, especially those members of our congregation that have small businesses. Uh, they provide grants. If we need grant, they can help with, with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, financial literacy programs or whatever we need. So that MOU allows us to work directly with First Financial. And we just signed that. It was in, a, in the Dayton Business Journal not too long ago. <clears throat> the, uh, the MOU we signed with First Financial, West Eden Caravan Churches. Um, so we want to make sure that there's economic stability in our community. Uh, we want to make sure people have access to, to finances, especially those who need loans, uh, for, uh, who are home buyers, uh, and, uh, and, and do everything we can. So we, we're not looking only as, as pastors of the spiritual aspect only, but we have a responsibility for both the, the social and economic as well. So. That's great. Yeah. Um, and certainly, you know, I think right now, particularly in, in the Dayton area, I know a lot of people um, are, are particularly talking about redlining as, you know, there's the undesigned, the redline exhibit that's going on right now at Dayton Metro Library. And I know we'll be we, uh, moving around the community, um, but certainly these inequities yeah. are very clear. It's, it's clear. And, and uh, I'm glad you brought a redlining because the West Dayton Caravan of Church is not going to be a part of that in March. Uh, and hopefully we're going to have a house of one of our churches uh, because we had it everywhere else, but in West Dayton. And so now we, we work, uh, uh, I believe Christina Scott, uh, to make sure we have that uh, happen. And thanks to uh, the Key Bank for helping to sponsor. So we were able to sponsor that um, and, uh, and have it on the, on the West side. So we, we're working on that as well. Mm -hmm. That's great. And I'm glad that, that you'll be able to host it. It's an amazing exhibit and yeah. Um, yeah. really highlights Mm -hmm. a, a historical part of our community that still is very ever present, you know, to oh, this yeah. day. I mean, it's, it's like night and day. I mean, you can just, just driving down the corridor of Silvan, Sil, Silum, uh, Silum Avenue or Gettysburg and, uh, and just seeing all the, uh, you know, the disinvestment and the boarded up buildings and so forth, potholes. You know, I've changed four tires of my car, <laughs> messing them up in potholes. Uh, but then you go just a mile away and it's a different world. You know, whether you go south or north, you know, it's a different world. Um, and, and you can see the disparities. And those are the kinds of things that we are fighting against. Want to make sure there is access and, and, and equity in our community. For the folks and folks are marginalized. And uh, uh, we have we had a lot of stuff to deal with. And uh, but we have to reach out people. And one of the greatest challenges we're facing is the young people right now, you know, try to get them in line and, and working with them. And because uh, um, they have, a, you know, they don't have time to wait for all this stuff. They're moving ahead. Um, so we're going to have, we got to get them engaged and spend a lot of time to get them engaged. Um, but we continue to be in the forefront to fight for, for justice and equity and, and also to save souls. I mean, that's what we're called to do. So we are, um, you know, doing this interview as part of a series highlighting our humanitarian award recipients, and we're very excited this year to honor um, the Dayton or the West Dayton Caravan of Churches. I wanted to ask you, you know, these are the humanitarian awards. Um, what does it mean to you to be a humanitarian? You know, when I, when I when I became a priest um, some almost thirty years ago. <laughs> When I was in seminary, I said, Lord, whatever you lead, I will follow. 
and I didn't know where I was going to end up, and uh, but I was always open to wherever God was sending me to serve. Um, I started off in rural Virginia, <laughs> of all places, right on the Rappahannock River, um, forming the minds of young students for four years after seminary. And uh, uh, I remember when I first arrived, I was introduced to the local sheriff, and my and I had and I was and they interviewed me for the local paper to because I was the first African-American professional to come in that town. Uh, and they wanna make sure to let people know I'm supposed to be there. <laughs> you know, because those are the kinds of things we had to go through. And it, it was quite an experience, but I spent four years forming the minds of young students and, uh, and fought to get African-American students in the school and to get African-American faculties in that school as well. And uh, we were able to do that. I was very disappointed when I went back for uh, my students invited me back for the uh, for their reunion, and there was only one uh, faculty, black faculty member left, and uh, and so I was disappointed because all the work we did, there was no, it, it was not sustained because they had a new headmaster came in and everything changed and went back to the way it used to be. So that was very frustrating and disappointing. But it's not easy work. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot of work. And uh, but I left from there, and I got called to. Uh, to a mixed congregation in Columbus, Georgia, in the Diocese of Atlanta, of all places. <clears throat> I left Virginia, got called there, and, and served there for six years. And uh, when I first arrived, I was the first black priest in that church. They've all, they only had white priests. Um, and there was concern whether the church was going to turn all black because they were calling a black priest. But it, it never happened. It kept the integrity. And we were able to uh, continue on. Why I was there, I was able to get involved in building 48 units for senior house, for senior citizens. Uh, we built houses for senior citizens, built a Montessori school, and we fought for a community called Bellwood, which was the working poor. And, and we had to go against the city. Of, of, uh, it was a combined government and Columbus consolidated government, fought against the, the city because they were taking um, community black grant funds away from the, from the LMI communities to give it to Total System, a major corporation. And we fought against that and got all the money back. Uh, so we, but we worked with the city and, and the residents in the city worked together to come together with a comprehensive plan for revitalization. And I became a model for, for the city. And uh, so the Bellwood community uh, benefited from that, but we went through a lot to get to that point. Uh, finally, we sat down and, and worked it out. Um, and, to, and to have uh, the first president, we, we, we came incorporated and the first president was a was a single grandmother <laughs> in that from the community. Uh, they were concerned whether we were going to stay. You know, so people always come and promise, but nothing happens. We say we're here to stay. We're not here to tell you, you know, what to do. We have to work along with you to see exactly what you need to accomplish. And we were able to do that. And then I got called here to Ohio, and I've been here six to I mean, uh, twenty one years, um, and got here in two thousand and uh, purchased a land. And as I was, as I said earlier. And, and been here ever since. And so, <clears throat> but I have, uh, wherever I went, I have to serve because I said, Lord, whatever, wherever you lead, I will follow. And I have been able to serve in every community. And so. so I think what stands out the most to me and my, my impression would be to listeners as well um, is just the responsibility that you have to the community or that you feel to, to the community and, and that every place that you had listed 
that you have been, these projects that you were able to, to accomplish successfully that ultimately changed people's lives. Um, you know, whether that was those students who went through the school and could see faculty who looked like them, the, the people who had now affordable housing, um, moving into Dayton with the tremendous work that you're doing here. Um, and, and I guess what, what I want to ask kind of is my last, one of my last questions is, why do you do the work that you do? You know, when you get up each day, um, what is it that drives you to, to continue to do more for the community? I've, I've learned it. And I had to learn the hard way a long time ago that I wasn't in charge. God is. <laughs> and so I, I get up in the morning, get my marching orders and say, Lord, what would you have me do today? You know, and I mean, and I want to be able to touch a life. We, one of the things that we have done since the pandemic, we establish a prayer line and we have people calling from different states uh, and, and it's seven days a week, nonstop since the pandemic. Every day at 12 o'clock, we have a prayer line and praying for people. I have a list here, um, six pages of names of people that we pray for every day. And we add names and take names off and people pass away. We you know, take the name off, but we pray every day. And I call every single names on, on, the, on that list every day. And, uh, and names are called in. And, and uh, as I said, they call from Dallas, Texas. Um, from you know, from here in, in, in Ohio and in other places as well, just to get on the prayer line. Um, and so we pray, you know, we just pray for people every day. So I get my marching orders every day <laughs> and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Um, and the funny thing about it is, uh, I, I it was not my goal to be a priest, you know, I started off in pre med, <laughs> you know. But as God, we have it. I, I ended up changing my major when I was in at, in, at school in North Carolina um, and then uh, went into advertising and marketing. And believe it or not, it was in advertising and marketing. I had uh, AMS Incorporated that it, uh, it worked there, and but I never left the church. I was always involved in church until the, uh, my, uh, my, the rector of the parish, uh, Father George Hill. In fact, he wrote a book. And, and it was called Before I Forget, and he dedicated a, two pages to me in the book. Um, he was the one who encouraged me to say, this is what you're called to do. You know, because I was training, I was an acolyte growing up, so I was training acolyte, I was reading, I was a lay reader in the church, and, and uh, but it was a predominantly white congregation, Episcopal Church, that I stumbled upon. <laughs> I got into the church one Sunday, and I was the only person of color in that church. And believe it or not, the church became integrated. Again, it had two schools, and I began to recruit students to go to the schools there. And uh, But he was the one who said, this is what you're called to do. And they, he encouraged me to go to seminary. And uh, so I came to St. Timothy's in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, to go to seminary. And, um, and he, he talked about my journey and the book he wrote, you know, to, to where I am today. So That's great. Well, I, I have one final question for you. Um, and that would be, what advice would you have um, for individuals or young people who are looking to get started um, in their journey of social change and advocating for others? I think it's important for them to understand that it's not too much about you. (laughs) 
you know, uh, it is, and in this world, you, you can't allow yourself to be selfish and self-centered. Uh, always put the needs of others before your own. Uh, and doors will open for you. Things will happen for you. Um, and uh, and it's not about money. <laughs> if you're only in it for money, you're just you're going on the wrong path. You know, and some people have, you know, their reasons for going into it. Um, but always see, and you have to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Uh, see what you can do to touch a life of someone. If you can change someone's life uh, each and every day, just to, even just is a common word of encouragement to give to someone else. Uh, and stay focused, study, read, appreciate people and culture. You know, look around you and, and give thanks to God for just the very life you have, the breath you have for being alive today is a brand new day. You know, and but life is like a roller coaster. It goes up and down. It, at times when things are going to be good and sometimes they're going to be very difficult. Uh, we all have challenges. You know, nothing is smooth for us, but you remain constant and place your faith and trust in God. Um, and, and yes, he will see you through uh, in all of your challenges and your trials. And, and you will be successful, you know, as long as you put and keep your eyes focused on what it is you're called to do and be committed to that. Uh, but make sure that it's not all about you, but what you can do to change the lives of others. So, mm -hmm. well, great. Um, well, those were the questions that I have today. Is there anything else that you want to add? Uh, I appreciate uh, this honor, and it came as a surprise because I wasn't looking <laughs> and surprised to get it. So, I really appreciate it, and I and I will share this with my colleagues and the boys that didn't care for the churches and my parish here in St. Margaret's. They've been very supportive in everything we've done together. You know, they're hard workers, um, and uh, we've, we've sustained a lot of losses to death you know, over the years, but you know, we're still here. Uh, so Margaret was established in 1892, 129 years old as a church. Uh, it came right from Christchurch downtown, out of well, a mission from Christchurch downtown, Dayton. So, And here we are today, uh, still going strong and, and trying to do God's work the best we can. And, uh, we make mistakes, but we pick up and brush up and keep going. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Well, great. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Join us next week on Friendship Friday as we interview our next humanitarian award recipient. In the meantime, visit our website, www.nccjgreaterdayton.org dinner to learn more about our 44th annual friendship event or to register for the event for free.